Hello everyone, my name is Christian Coggins and welcome to episode 7 of Pathway to Hope, Sexual Abuse. In this episode I will be talking about many sexual abuse topics that have occurred, including to myself. Then I will talk about how to heal from these tragic events. Before we begin, I would like to warn you that this is going to be a very trigger-sensitive topic, and it may become gruesome. Please feel free to take breaks when needed or stop listening if it becomes too much. As you may know, there are many types of sexual abuses, and I apologize if I happen to forget any. However, my goal today is to shed a light on many topics and bring some hope to all my survivors out there. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, buckle up because it's going to be a bumpy ride but we're going to get through this together. So let's get started. The first topic involved with our concept today of sexual abuse is rape. Rape is legally defined as unlawful sexual activity and usually sexual intercourse carried out forcibly or under threat of injury against a person's will or with a person who is beneath a certain age or incapable of valid consent because of mental illness, mental deficiency, intoxication, unconsciousness, or deception. Now, that's a lot, obviously. So let's break that down a little bit. That's the legal definition, by the way, but I'm going to break it down a little bit. Rape is easier to find as being forced to have sexual intercourse, whether it's because you're being threatened, physically forced, drugged, uh, you know, intoxicated, etc., Rape is simply being forced to have sexual intercourse. To be a survivor of rape can make you feel violated and like you were utilized as a tool. You were rendered helpless at the time, and that can make you feel weak and to blame. However, I want you to remember that no matter what kind of sexual abuse you've gone through, you are not to blame. If you're forced or even coerced, if you will, into sexual intercourse, you should never blame yourself. You know, many people go through these abuses every single day. And then they feel like they're the blame. And it's so sad. Because, you know, this stuff ruins people's lives. And I'm going to, I have a whole section where I talk about this stuff. But seriously, something to consider. This stuff ruins lives. But please know that it's not your fault. And I can promise you that. And though it may be hard to get past it, and it this is easier said than actually shown, but life does go on. You may feel like sexual pleasure is now impossible for you. Or, you know, you may feel like you're violated and you'll have a hole inside of you that'll never go away. But one day, you can find your happy place and make peace with your situation. It's possible. It is not impossible to find your happy place. It's just going to take a long time. Toward the end of this episode, I talk about how to cope with being a survivor. And those may be steps to recovery. But trust me when I say that you're not alone. You can heal. And like I said, I plan to actually talk about that a little later about how to cope. So towards the end, get ready to look for that. However, that brings us to the end of this section. However, our next topic is molestation, so let's talk about it. Apologies, I forgot to mention this in the beginning, but this is one of the more sensual topics for me, if you will, that, no pun intended, but, um, 
I didn't mean to say that. That came out wrong. But this is one of the more touchy concepts for me because I was a victim of this and I'm going to go over my story with you and I'm going to warn you now, I may get emotional. This is going to be a very hard topic for me to talk about. I don't know if you've noticed in the past uh, two things I've talked about, but this is a very rough topic for me as it is for many people. So just keep that in mind. However, now let's talk about our next topic, which is molestation. Molestation is defined as sexual assault or abuse of a person. That is a very wide spectacle. So the way I define molestation in an easier way is to be a victim of forced sexual harassment by the touching or mouthing of any part of the body without consent. Now, they say molestation is more common in children. However, anyone can be a true victim of molestation because, you know, to be harassed without your consent can happen to anyone. You know, the feeling of freezing or that feeling of not even knowing what's happening or feeling threatened, that can happen to anyone. So I don't like it when they say that. I mean, it is most common in children, but it can happen to anyone. It's very misjudged and underlooked on how many people can be victims of molestation. But whether you're an adult or a child, being a victim or survivor of molestation, again, is not your fault, just like any other sexual abuse topic. The act of being forced to get harassed can be shocking, especially at the moment. Anyone who's a victim can feel violated, weak, and scared. And I want you to know if you're a victim, that's not weakness. That's called being human. You can't blame yourself for being human, right? You can't make yourself not feel pain or not feel weak or not feel like you were violated. Because if you're a survivor of sexual abuse, you were violated. That's how this works. And, you know, some people are in denial about it. I know somebody who's in denial about it um, or was in denial about it. I know some people who have been in denial about it, which, by the way, I may have a special guest coming at the end of this episode who I'm referring to actually. Excuse me. However, you know, you can't blame yourself. So please never blame yourself, whether you're a child or an adult, no matter how it happened. Don't blame yourself. Don't put that burden on you. Accept the fact that it happened and learn to cope. And again, I'll teach you that later. But that brings us to our next topic, incest. Incest. Incest is defined as sexual relations between people classed as being too closely related to marry each other. In easier terms... Incest is the unlawful act of any sort of sexual abuse by family members or close relatives. This is also very common with kids, alike to molestation, but it can happen with anyone, just like any type of sexual abuse. And you know, believe it or not, even though there's so many different sexual abuse topics, a lot of them connect in certain ways, believe it or not, that you wouldn't even think they're relatable by. You know, a lot of things relate. They say they're most common here, but people forget that everyone can be a victim of these things, and that's normal. Unfortunately, in our twisted, cruel, corrupted world, that's normal. And it's disappointing, and it pains me to say that, but that's the truth. However, moving on, if a, if a family member violated you, please don't feel ashamed or to blame Because as with every other sexual abuse case, you're not to blame. 
And I know it can get hard to believe these things are not your fault, but it's the truth. You know, because let's think about this topic in specific, right? Incest. You're being sexually harassed or even, in a sense, you could be raped by another family member. Incest doesn't really have a specific... It's it's not really a solo topic. Like, rape has an actual definition that's like, this is what happens. Molestation, same deal. You know, other things we're going to talk about. They have that definite, only definition. But incest could be anything that has to do with sexual relations between family members. And, you know, I'm just thinking... It's crazy how many people go through this. And a lot of people stay really silent about incest too. Because incest is family members. And some people still love their family after what they did to them. But yet they don't know how to come out of that shell that that family member put them in. Or, you know, they don't know how to admit that what happened to them was wrong. They don't know how to admit that they're not just weak but they're strong for holding on and they need to realize that there's better things out there. You know, and all you have to do is take the first step. And a lot of people, like I said, they don't turn in their family members because they're family and they don't know how to do that. You know, that hurts. And I've never been a victim of incest. However, I can say that if a family member did it to me, I would know how I'd feel. I'd be scared. Right? I'd be shel I'd want to be sheltered. And I I wouldn't know how to react. But you just gotta hope for the best. And believe me when I tell you that things can get better and the scars will fade. They may never go away completely, but they'll fade. And you just have to take the first step towards your recovery, which may be coming out. However, this brings us to our last type type of sexual abuse for this episode, partner sexual violence. Now you may be thinking, partner sexual violence, some people don't see that as like a this happened to me scenario. And it's almost like incest in that sense, right? Because there's no one definition of how it can be. It could be anything. It could be rape. It could be molestation. It could be as fucked up as this is, in some countries, this could be incest, right? Partner sexual violence. But partner sexual violence is the act of a partner in a relationship sexually abusing the other partner. Guys and girls alike can be victims of any type of sexual abuse, especially this one. And by the way, I have to touch on this real quick. I know I wasn't planning to say this, and it just popped into my head. But, um, actually, a lot of things I say, (laughs) I don't plan 100%, but... You know, and that's the point of this channel, actually. But you know what really shocks me, by the way? The fact that a lot of people, and I'm not putting any women down by saying this, by the way. That's not my goal. But a lot more women say, you know, and men both alike say, men can't get raped. Men can't get sexually harassed. Men can't get molested. Men can't get into a sexual violence partnership. Men can't get manipulated, but that's fucking bullshit. And I'm sorry for getting angry at that, but I myself am a survivor. 
And for people to be out there saying, oh, men are all the bad guys, right? Men don't have a heart. Men don't have a soul when it comes to this stuff. Men aren't capable of being raped. Think about what you're saying. Men aren't capable of falling victim to sexual harassment, to sexual abuse. You're saying that they're not human. Anyone is viable and vulnerable to sexual abuse. And the fact that, and I'm so sorry for saying this, and please forgive me, but the fact that people can be sexist enough to really say, wow, men are the bad guys here. Okay, the general consensus is that men are the bad guys. And I get it, right? I mean, as sad as it is, most men, more men, end up sexually abusing women than women abusing men. That is the typical consensus that everybody has seen. That is the most, um, that's the most, you know, that's the average, if you will. But even still, you have to remember that men are human too. And they're just as vulnerable to sexual abuse as a woman, a woman. Just a reminder, keep that in mind. But like I was saying, guys and girls alike can be victims of any type of sexual abuse, especially partner sexual abuse. If you're a victim, you need to get out of that toxic relationship. You know, I mean, because if you're a victim and you're going to stay in that relationship, you're going to destroy yourself. And I get it. It might not be easy to get out of that relationship, right? There are a lot of factors in play. Manipulation, which I'll talk a lot about in the next um, I don't know what you want to call these segment chapter after the break, whatever you want to call it. But manipulation can be used to guilt trip or even to threaten a partner or anyone who's a sexual abuse survivor. Manipulation, verbal abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse, right? These all exist. These are a part of partner sexual violence because you could be manipulating somebody mentally in order to force their will, right? You could be physically abusing somebody, beating them, hurting them, making them scream until they agree to do what you want. Just a thought there. Again, you know, there are so many mind games involved with partner sexual violence. And it's not easy. And I know most of the things I say on this channel aren't easy. Okay, I know that. Because I've gone through most of them. This one, no. One thing in here, which I'll go over soon. Yes, I have. However, you do have the power to get out of that relationship. Even if you're being threatened or manipulated. Despite how hard it may be, you have to gain the courage for yourself. And if not for yourself, even for the ones around you that truly love you. And you have to tell someone. And you have to remember that you're not alone. Right? You have to remember that you're not alone. And I'm going to talk about that a lot too. Because you're... Once you start... Once you tell someone, people are going to be willing to help you. People are going to be willing... To help you get out of that relationship. That toxic partner could be arrested. Or jailed. Which is the same thing. Or brought to the courts. 
or you could get witness protection, regardless of what happens. No matter what threats were made, no matter what manipulation or physical abuse you've gone through in the past, you have the power to get out of that. And you just have to, excuse me, you just have to really work your way out of that situation because it's extremely toxic and it's not going to get you anywhere. It's going to ruin your life. It's going to destroy you. This is one of those things where it's repetitive. It's not just one time. And I'm not saying that rape and incest are typically not repetitive. Sometimes they can be, but most times they're one-case scenarios, one-and-dones, you know. But partner sexual abuse, oh, no, this could be daily. This could be hourly. This could be weekly. This could be monthly, right? And you might not even know what's happening at first. But then it's going to start dealing more and more damage to your mental health and that's just gonna be toxic so please do whatever it takes get yourself out of that toxic relationship however let's move on to our next topic which happens to tie a lot into this one as i said before manipulation One thing that almost every sexual abuse concept has in common, one of those things I said that has in common, is manipulation. You may be thinking that you weren't manipulated, which can often be used to make yourself believe that you're to blame, but sometimes manipulation can be utilized in many different ways. For starters, manipulation is defined as to manage or influence skillfully, especially in an unfair manner. To break it down, in other words... To manipulate, in this case, means to trick or deceive someone into doing what you want. There are so many ways to be tricked or manipulated into something without even knowing it. Right? There's so many ways this can happen. You know, drugs. They could drug you and you won't even know it. Intoxication. Tricking you into falsely believing it's for the best. Guilt tripping you is a big part of that. You know, to be mentally toyed with. Right? To be threatened right, to to be even incented, maybe something off topic. They could say something like, for example, oh, your child seems so, I don't know, um, intelligent, and it would be a shame. You know, they could play mind games like that, and you sometimes might not even know it, especially if you get tipsy, but that's not your fault because there's no way you could have known what they were going to do, right? Some people are so fucked up in the head, and you don't even know it. But still, to be manipulated is completely normal and to fall for a trick isn't your fault. And so many people say, by the way, that, um, oh, it's, it was my fault. You know, I'm, I'm so stupid. I'm an idiot. Um, you know, and I understand where you're coming from. I really do. But let me tell you, let me give you a little fact here, a little logical. I I did a little research on this part. 433,648 people. 433,648 people. Ready for this? That is the average amount of people who get manipulated into sexual abuse yearly. In 365 days... 433,648 people on average are manipulated into sexual abuse. And none of these people are to blame. And nor are you. Because if so many people get sucked into this scandalous sexual abuse 
concept in their life. And that's not their fault. It happens to everyone. Men, women, senior citizens, children, babies. 433,648 people. You know, that makes me sick to my stomach. That you could times how many days we have in a year by, I don't know, 20. And you're still not going to hit 433,648. That's how many individual lives, individual people get manipulated into sexual abuse yearly. Some people are so sick. And that number, I saw that and my eyes opened wide and I was just sick to my stomach. But I can promise you that you're not alone. Not in this situation, not ever. Not when you get help. Not when you're the victim. Not even before you're the victim. You are never to blame. And nor is anyone else. Manipulation has an endless amount of means to deceive or force people into doing things against their will. Or even to trick people into agreeing to something they truly don't want to do. And despite all reasons and or different strategies of manipulation, whether it be mental or physical, I want you to know that whatever happened, and you're going to hear me say this a thousand times before the end of this episode, it was not your fault. I promise. Now let's talk about one more really hard thing before I actually get into my experience. One more really hard part about every sexual abuse concept. And of course, this is another one of those things that ties together. And this is kind of the end of our, okay, these are the main bullets on the board, even though everything exists, you know, but like rape, incest, partner, sexual abuse, um, molestation, you know, those are the main things we've talked about. But there's one thing that is very common that has to happen at the end if you want the best life possible for you. You want to know what that is? The first step to the road to recovery, coming out. Let's talk about that. Coming out, it may be hard to come out and tell people you're a victim of any sort of sexual abuse or violence. However, coming out and telling someone is extremely important. Not to mention, it may help with the coping process of your horrid experience. Only you can take yourself out of the situation you may be in and take your abuser to justice. However, as I said before, This doesn't mean you're alone. Many people go through the same thing daily and so many people are willing to help you. You must be willing to allow others to help you. Just to be clear, when I say that, you know, um, sorry, um, when I say only you can take yourself out of the situation, just to be clear, I'm not saying on your own, you have to completely go through this on your own. I know that could be taken out of context, but what I'm saying is that, you know, you're not, you have to get yourself or push yourself, give yourself the courage to take that first step. Because once you take that first step, you are no longer on your own. You have help. You have people who care about you. And you're going to have people who are going to want to help you. And even if you don't have much family, right? There are people who are, their job is to protect you, right? Therapist, 
You can get therapy for help. You can get the police to take your abuser to justice. You can get, you know, if you have relatives, you can get relatives to support you and comfort you. Or friends, right? Which to me, friends are a very good family. But none of that can happen unless you take the first step and you come out. None of that can happen unless you are willing to go the extra mile and take that first step. That one ballsy step, that one super hard, scary step of coming out and telling someone what happened to you and who did it. But I promise you, once you do that, you're not alone. So, you know, and once you get through that, once you get through the first step, the big step, and, you know, everything's said and done and your abuser was taken justice and you're getting help, it's still going to be hard to cope. However, before I go over how to cope and I maybe have an interviewee and then conclude, I'd like to tell you about my experience as a survivor in hopes that it can help you. So let's talk about it. As I said before, unfortunately, many believe that women are the only victims of sexual abuse. This is untrue. Men and women alike both experience the hardships of sexual abuse, some more than others. And it's a shame that many people believe domestic, excuse me, sexual abuse is a one-way street. As a male survivor, I can say with confidence that sexual abuse is not a one-way street, and I know from experience. Before I talk about what I experienced, I would like to remind you and anyone listening that this is where it gets gruesome, and I will be going into specifics, so feel free to skip this or listen while taking breaks every now and then, because I know I might have to. Excuse me. Alright, so my experience, here it is. As many of you may have heard me say in past episodes, my mother was a drug addict. Although that full story I have told two episodes ago, it is relevant to this story. I was a six-year-old, and my mother took me to her friend's barbershop. After I got my hair cut, my mother brought me to her friend's house to hang out with her 16-year-old son while she and her friend did drugs in the back room. Meanwhile, the night started with me and him playing on his Wii. However, as the night progressed, he said, do you want to try a different game? I said that I wanted to keep playing Wii, but he was persistent. Then after I said no for the second time, he shut his door and told me I had to, or I couldn't keep playing the Wii. Mind you, this was a pretty aggressive way he shut this door. It wasn't just like he shut the door to say, you have to. He was aggressive with it. I said okay, considering I was six and I wanted to play the Wii again. However, I had no idea what type of game he was talking about. He then told me that I had to promise him I wouldn't tell anyone, not even my mother, And I said, okay. He then told me to take my pants down, which I questioned him on. But he said, just do it. Being six, I did. He said, take my underwear off. 
and I did. Then he told me to sit down, and I remember feeling so weird but unsure of what was happening. Then he started licking my private area and lightly biting as well. It was the weirdest thing I've ever felt, and the only thing my six-year-old self was thinking was, what is happening? Is this right? Did I do something wrong? The reason I was wondering if I did something wrong is because he seemed extremely angry and mad the entire time. And when someone who is older than you starts acting upset when you're six, it makes you question if you're in trouble or doing something wrong. After about five or ten minutes of him playing with my private area, he told me to do it to him. I told him I didn't want to. At first he tried forcing me, and I came close to having no choice. I remember him pushing my head towards his private area, and I remember my head getting closer and closer, but I began to cry because I was scared. And when I was no less than an inch or two away from his area, he said I didn't have to do it, but made me promise again that I wouldn't tell anyone. Sure enough, I did, despite how scared I was, I promised him. The next day, I ended up unable to stop thinking about what had happened, and it felt so weird about it. I felt so weird about it, and... Luckily, though I was raised to know a promise is a promise, I told my grandmother and my mom exactly what had happened because it didn't seem right. Then they quickly called the police and didn't tell me right away what had happened. <clears throat> In fact, I believe it was, I believe after I was forced to tell the officer at the police station, you know, despite me not really liking cops as a child and I was always afraid of them, the officer was the one who told me I was molested and called it that. My father reinforced the idea and explained to me what it had meant. It never truly affected me at first. You know, I was six, and I was still curious on what that had meant even after they explained it. Because, you know, kids are kids, and their brains are still malleable. However, I began getting older. Excuse me. I began getting older around 16, and my current age, which is 17, and it started to affect me more, and as it is now. Though I have learned to cope with it, which I'll talk about in a minute, it still manages to hurt. 11 years later, by the way, just to put it out there, it took me 10 to 11 years to actually realize how bad what that person did was and how stupid I was, but I remember that it's not my fault, despite how much I may want to think it is. And how much survivor's guilt I may be feeling. I remember that it's not my fault. It sometimes makes me question if I could have done something to prevent that. And other times it makes me feel like it never happened. Because of, excuse me, because of how gruesome it was for me. Sometimes I find myself in denial, which can happen for a lot of survivors. However, when push comes to shove, I know it was not my fault. It took me a while to accept that, but I've learned to cope over time. It slowly fades away. The pain slowly fades away. But at the end of the day, it happened. And it's going to be something that's going to hurt me for a long time. But as I get older, it may take months, it may take years. 
but I'm going to heal from my experience. And I hope with this episode and me explaining that story that I could help others as well to notice that they will get better over time. And you know, by the way, I just want to put this out there. When I share my stories, a lot of them hit home hard, but this one hits a lot different for me. Episode 8 and episode 6 are the two episodes that truly hit me hard. And I... You know, I almost had to break in the middle of this one for sure because I am a human as well, you know. I can break too. I have feelings. I have hardships in life and, you know, it's really painful. And to go over these things and to relook at them, it is so painful. Even though I'm helping people, that's always giving me a smile. I've used my experiences to help others, but it's still extremely painful. So please, if you are going to trust me on anything, trust me when I tell you it will get better. And you are not to blame. Because remember, I'm not speaking from a professional point of view, by the way. I'm speaking from experience. So in a minute here, when I pull myself together, let's talk about the next topic, which is survivor's guilt. I'm back. So let's talk about the next topic. Survivor's guilt. Survivor's guilt is when you are mentally damaged due to your experience. Sometimes survivor's guilt occurs immediately after the attack. Sometimes it can come years afterwards. Regardless, most survivors experience survivor's guilt at some point or another. What can survivor's guilt do to you? Well, sometimes it can make you feel like you're not good enough. Sometimes it can make you feel to blame. Sometimes it can even get bad enough to the point where it makes you feel suicidal. Though there is an unlimited amount of different types of survivors, guilt depending on the person, of course. The one common thing they all share is the feeling of being scarred for life. And I won't lie to you. You may be. You probably will be. What you experienced was painful. It's, it's the feeling of being violated, forced to do something against your will. So, yes, I won't lie to you. You may be scarred for life. However, that doesn't mean you will, you'll be broken for life. They're two completely different things. You see, survivors believe they will be broken for life after being violated sexually, but this isn't true. Think of it this way. To be broken is like a scar. At first, it's horrible. Maybe ugly. Huge or small. Then we bandage it. After we bandage the wound... Over time, it fades. And the more time that passes, the more it fades. But they never truly disappear. However, the scar does become less noticeable over time. And eventually, they basically heal. Your story is the scar. A painful one at that. But your scar's pain will heal over time. And they'll barely be noticeable, but they'll still be there. It will always be there, but I promise you, you will be able to recover from the painful memories of your past. You just have to allow yourself to heal. And, you know, like I said, when it comes to putting on the bandage, that's where you start the coping process. After you've come out and whatnot, that's where you start the grieving coping process. 
where you really let everything sink in and then you learn to positively reinforce it. So now the one thing you may be wondering, how can you cope while you struggle with survivor's guilt and the pain from your story? So let's talk about that. How to cope. Coping is a lot different when it comes to sexual abuse and being a survivor than other situations. Right? Because in other situations, you know, like I said in my last episode on how to cope, you can use things like expressionism and, and you know, hobbies and things you enjoy and, you know, stuff like that. But when it comes to sexual abuse... In my opinion, it gets a lot harder to just do things you enjoy because a lot of things start to not exist. You don't really enjoy that much after that. That could take away your feeling of dignity in life, you know, and to just write on paper. That's extremely helpful in a lot of situations, but I feel like you need something stronger in this one. So let me give you the steps to recovery, (coughs) excuse me, and how to cope. Here's what I've found are the steps to coping and recovery. Step one is acceptance. Being a survivor most times comes with denial and self-blame. Before you can truly begin healing, you have to accept that what happened, happened. And understand that no matter how it all happened, it is not your fault. Understand that the person who did it to you is at fault, not you. And no matter how you reacted, it is completely okay. So that's step one, acceptance. Step two, once you've accepted it, Allow yourself to be upset. Many people feel that hiding your true pains about being a survivor and what's happening is what strong people do. This is not true. In fact, this is just going to hurt you more in the long run. I know from experience. Allow yourself to take some time to be upset about the situation. But don't stay like that for too long. If you stay for too long, it can be painful. Allow yourself to grieve. Allow yourself to be upset. Allow yourself to feel the pain. But don't allow yourself to stay in that position. I would say take no more than two weeks max to be upset about the situation. And then try moving on to the next step. Step three. This is a very hard step. But I feel like this is the most important one. Step three. Allow yourself to forget. And live life as a distraction. After taking time to be upset, you then need to find things to distract you from the thoughts. Whether it be life or things you enjoy like hobbies, regardless. Allow yourself to occupy your mind with things other than your story. Since your mind has taken time to be upset, now you need to try forgetting about the scar so your scars can fade. I say fade because scars don't really heal in my opinion, by the way. They only fade until you manage to easily get the topics off your mind. And you may never be 100% from your situation. However, you can be yourself again. But it's going to take time. It could take years. Like I said before, weeks, months, years, days. You never know. It really depends on the situation. But by following these three steps, you will be able to cope with your survival and feel much better about the topic. And eventually, you may be able to talk about it comfortably without breaking down. And I know that seems like a long shot, but trust me, it's true. I haven't gotten there yet, but I've seen people who have. To be honest, I'm not really comfortable talking about it yet, obviously, like I just said. However... 
I take pride in using my experiences to help others, which is why I'm releasing this now. I know someone who needed this, and I have been meaning to get around to this for a while now. However, this topic and the topic of my mother have been harder topics for me to talk about on this podcast because I'm still healing from them. But I do this in hopes of helping others with my stories. Anyways, let's move on to the interview with uh, another friend of mine, ironically, same name as me. His name is Christian, and he has a story he wants to share. And then after him, we will wrap things up. So let's do it. Hello, everybody, and um, welcome to the next part of the episode, Sexual Abuse. Uh, the next section, which I'm calling Interview with a good friend of mine named Christian. He's uh, the owner of another podcast called Breaking the Silence, and he's also a member of my mental health Discord. So thank you for coming on today, Christian. Uh, no problem. Um, so I wanted to open the floor to you to begin this, and I wanted to ask you to talk about your opinions on sexual abuse. Okay. Well, my personal opinions on it, I feel like I, I don't want to say it gets underlooked, because it does get a lot of attention, but it doesn't get the right kind of attention. I feel like people don't really understand how bad it is. People try and like pin the blame on other things like false accusations and all that stuff. But there's genuine people who this hurts and I feel like they should be heard or at least given the chance to be heard. And a lot of people don't get that chance. Mm-hmm. I see. That's a pretty good opinion. Um, you know, and that's so true. Like, it is not even just sexual abuses. It's mental health in general. It's so underlooked in the things that people go through on an everyday basis. And it's really absurd to hear and see all of these things happening to people. And yet, a lot of the public doesn't even pay no mind to it because not enough attention is brought to this stuff. And it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the reason I brought you on to the interview, as you know, um, I want you to share your story with everyone. So if you'd be ready to do that. Yeah. All right. I'll kind of be quiet for a minute and I'll leave the floor to you. Take it away. Okay. Yeah. Well, so this happened when I was 10, I believe. So it's like five years ago for me, at least it's five years ago. I don't know. In, if anyone's listening to this in the far near future, but as of right now, it is. it was five years ago. And I was basically, I don't know, well, I don't know. I feel like I was kind of tricked into doing what they wanted me to do. And I at first thought it was like a, you know, kind of game or something. I wasn't that bright. I mean, it's not that I wasn't that bright, but I was a little ignorant on the situation. So um, a couple of years later or throughout the years, it would just, well, not it, but over and over different situations would happen. Like one time I had to, close my eyes and get on my knees and stuff but um 
another time, which is, well, I'll go with the most recent time. Um, I was trying to get away from being quote unquote tickled, but you know, I mean, I did, but because there were people around, and you know, it's can't really make a scene out of that. So I don't know. It's definitely stressful. And then on top of that, like I didn't even want to be there, but. I, mean, I did want to be there, but then after I realized he was going to be there, I didn't want to be there anymore because I wasn't comfortable. And, you know, I said that, but I didn't say it in those words, you know, or why I was uncomfortable. I just said, you know, I don't want to get on anybody's nerves or anything, but uh, I definitely don't like bringing it up, especially to people that I know or I know can actually do or say something about it. Um, for the back about a year ago, I would assume. I don't fully remember. I was like on a bed, right? And so was he, so. Um, he kind of like pulled me on top of him in a sense. And, you know, the only way I got at that one, because no one was there, so I pretended like I had to use the bathroom or something, and I just stayed in there for a while. And um, that's about it as far as I can remember right now. That's okay. Thank you for a lot for sharing your story. Um, I know it means a lot to the people on here, you know, and I'm sure that a lot of people understand completely what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, fun fact, the the fact that you say you can't remember things is pretty common, actually. I've known this, but I haven't really brought a lot of attention to it until this year when I joined forensic science. Um, something that I've learned is during the scene of the crime or, you know, the time you're in it, if you're scared or nervous or in shock even or in denial about what's going to happen, the human brain's perception of what actually happened sometimes gets a little bent or I don't want to say manipulated or flawed, but, you know, sometimes it affects memory. Sometimes it makes it even worse than it was. Sometimes it makes it better than it was. And that's all part of the human mind just doing its thing, you know, like it turns the human brain into a false photographer. You know, you get all these images and facts, but sometimes not every aspect comes back as easily. And that's completely okay and normal. I actually know. Go ahead. I know exactly what you're talking about because the human brain tries to kind of augment your reality when it comes to dealing with a significant amount of pain uh it can be mental or physical or sexual any type of pain the human brain tries to at least augment and oftentimes you know some people easily get pain confused with pleasure so 
Indeed. Um, let me see. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions about your story? I do not. If you don't want to answer a certain question that I ask, feel free to deny, all right? Okay. I know this stuff can be hard, so definitely don't push yourself. But my first question for you is, what were your first feelings? Like, when it first happened the first time, the very first time it happened, what were your first feelings? Well, to be honest, I, like I said, I thought we were playing a game, and... I just, I felt like it was like a prank war or something. So I was just like, I don't want to say it was like funny to me, but it was kind of like a jokey kind of feeling. Okay. How did you feel when you realized it wasn't just a game, but it was more? Um, Scared. That's probably what I would have to go with is scared. Cause... Okay. Were you in denial? Um, I was in denial while I was scared. Right, and that's completely normal. And, um, you know, when you were in denial, did you also happen to feel survivor's guilt? Um, I don't know what that is. All right, that's fine. Um, Typically, survivor's guilt is something that happens with a lot of people. Survivor's guilt is basically when after you've been through a traumatic situation, whether it doesn't even have to be about sexual abuse, but whether it was a sexual abuse situation, whether it was a trauma in your life, like somebody passes, you feel bad because even though you were the victim, sometimes you feel like you're to blame. Uh Oh. I would, yeah. You felt like it was your fault? Yeah. And how did you cope with all of the negative feelings after you realized what happened to you? Well, one of the ways I coped was just denying it and total pretending like that part of my life didn't happen or at least try to pretend like it didn't happen. Another way is, like, I would just ignore it. Ignore it and deny it. Mm-hmm. And did it ever feel like it was coming back to, I won't say haunt you, but did it ever feel like it just at some point in time you couldn't hold it in anymore? Maybe you'd either have a mental breakdown, maybe cry, maybe just need an escape. But did it ever come back to, like, truly hurt you well there's kind of two ways i feel pain in a sense one is like stress and another one is sadness and in this situation i didn't have like a mental breakdown or start crying but it was definitely really stressful and i kind of i won't say like had a panic attack but i definitely freaked out Mm mm-hmm and um, did you ever have any positive coping methods that you followed that maybe you that helped you? I would say a positive one is being able to talk to people who've either gone through the same thing or that I feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Do you have any examples or? 
Well, I do have one example. It was my, it was the first person I told because it was like while it was happening. Well, not the very first person I told, but the first person I told of that specific time because it was while it was happening. And I, I don't want to say I trusted them, but I just felt really comfortable around them. And it, you know, it helped me not freak out or just panic. Mm-hmm. I get that. I'm glad. So you did come out. That's a good thing. And that helped you. Right? Yeah. Okay. Now, let me ask you this question. You came out to a friend. Did you come out to anybody else? Maybe somebody who is more of a leader in your life maybe like a parent a grandparent a teacher somebody with an adultive figure that could do something i did not yet no and may i ask why um i would have to say it's because i i'm might be because i'm scared or it might just be because i feel like it's too late you know this I guess. started happening five years ago and why would somebody bring it up five years later and on top of that there's been times where I've done stuff like this and brought things up late and it's just why are you telling me this now and it's just and who would say that your parents yeah okay Well, you know, actually, you're not the only one. There are lots of people out there who are sexual abuse survivors who have issues coming out. In this episode, in fact, I don't know if you knew, but I actually have a whole category on coming out where I talk about it. Excuse me. But, um, you know, the whole aspect of it being five years later, it's never too late to come out. It's not. And you know what? If your parents don't take you seriously, find someone who will. A teacher could take you seriously. And if I remember correctly, you also said that this was still happening every now and then. So it's most certainly not too late. Just because it started five years ago doesn't ago doesn't mean you can't end it now by coming out and asking for help. In this episode, I even said, you know, the first step is up to you. However, it's up to you to take the first step. Because once you take that first step and come out, people can help you. Christian people will be there to support you. People will be there to help you. But no one's going to know what's going on unless you come out first. Yeah. It's kind of like one of the other things. Also, like, I don't want people to know. It's always been something I just don't want people to know happened. Or... I get that. You know, that would be embarrassing to some people. You know, the fact that you... You know, the fact that you've been through so much and the fact that somebody did this to you and violated you and probably made you feel like it was your fault partially. But, you know, that's the part of survivor's guilt. And not everyone has to know, you know, I mean, let's say you told a teacher, right? They could help Mm -hmm. you come out to somebody like, I don't know, someone who can do something like a police officer or someone who actually cares, you know, somebody who can actually talk about it and actually either help you get through this mental block or this mental hardship in your life or someone who can help you get this person the punishment they deserve 
Yeah. I mean, people go through sexual abuses every single day. I think I, I forgot the number, but there's a, um, there's an outstanding amount of people who survive abuse every year. Um, let's see here. I gave you, I think it was you I gave it to, but I don't remember. Um, there was, I think it was in the hundred thousand or something along those lines. Um, and it, it was incredible. I can't remember the n- number. I don't remember. I got it right here. So it was 433,648 victims a year on average are victims of rape and sexual assault. And I'm not going to lie. I know for a fact, not all of those people come out, but could you imagine that there are 365 days in a year and out of 365 days, 433,648 victims. That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, if you look down more like, right, 433, 648 divided by 365, let's do quick maths here. That's 1,188 people per day. Wow. Sickening, isn't it? Yeah. And how many of those people actually come out? Probably not even more than a quarter of them. But so many people have stories that, you know, remain untold. And it's up to you if you're going to let it haunt you for the rest of your life or take the first step towards getting help for yourself. You know, because it's important. You know, if you're going to go on with your life and you're truly going to bury this, you need to tell someone because if you don't, it's going to come back when you get older and it's going to haunt you possibly for the rest of your life, knowing that this person got off scot-free, knowing that they could have done it to somebody else. That's going to haunt you. And that's why coming out is so important. And I'm going to highly stress and recommend that you come out to somebody. It doesn't have to be your parents, maybe a teacher you trust. Maybe, I don't know if you have a therapist, but a therapist. Somebody who's in a position to actually do something. You kind of hear what I'm saying? Yeah. I know I can't force you to do anything, and I know I'm trying to really encourage people, though. Because I'm telling you, it will haunt you for the rest of your life. I know. Because I've been through it, as I talked about in this episode, I've been through a lot as well. I came out and it still haunts me and I know for a fact if you don't come out you don't get the first step taken to get the person the punishment they deserve it will haunt you for the rest of your life I know that for a fact I'm going to highly stress that um, you tell someone Do you actually want to tell someone? Um, sometimes I do, and a lot of times I don't. Do you want to explain that a little bit? Like, there was this one time where it was like late at night, I was thinking I wanted to tell somebody versus like now, as of right now, I don't. Okay. 
Well, maybe find a time where you feel like telling somebody and don't hold back. Preferably sometime soon. Because the sooner you do it, the better. I can promise you that much. Yeah. Something to think about. It's not like you have to say yes on this episode or anything. Because, you know, this is probably going to be like a 30-minute episode in total. We're already 20 minutes past. But just think about that even after this episode, you know. Sorry, think. Think about what the consequences and what the pros are. The pros and cons. Think. What will happen if you do this? What will happen if you don't? And really just take the time to maybe overnight, maybe over the week, just to think about what that could do to you. And what are the pros, what are the cons? And you'll see the pros are most likely going to come out on top. Despite everything. But you ready to move on or you want to keep talking about this? I'm ready to move on. Okay. So you said that you had a lot of negative and some positive coping methods, but do you ever feel, wish that you dealt with something that you've done differently? Um, what do you mean? Like you said, as a negative coping method, I believe you said, um, let me think. can't remember your exact words, but long story short, you basically said that you did feel a little bit guilty and in denial. And those were your negative coping methods. But do you ever wish that maybe you found more positive coping methods to actually look at as coping methods? Because you didn't really have many positives in there. Um, I've never really thought that severely about it because I choose not to. And I, I don't really feel like I do. Okay, that's fair. Um, But, you know, I know you're choosing to ignore it, which is what you've said a lot of times. But, you know, ignoring it is just the same as not coming out. Because if you ignore it your whole life, it's going to build up. And it's going to keep building and building and building. Until eventually that building's going to come down and you're just going to explode. I'm telling you, it's some, It's one of those things that a lot of people, <clears throat> they ignore. And they ignore it as long as they can until they can't ignore it anymore. And then it might be too late because it might be 20, 30 years from now. That might hurt you. And to think about the future might be something you wanted to think about. Trust me on that one. Because I know what it feels like to ignore things and wish you did something different in the future when it's way too late. In reality, it's never really, quote-unquote, too late. But trust me when I say you don't want it to get really, really late, like 20, 30 years from now. Because then you're not even probably going to know where this guy lives. Yeah. But, um, so let me ask you this question. When you're thinking about it, like, right now or recently, like, recent days, the past week or two now, how do you currently feel about your entire situation? Well, when I'm thinking about it, I usually just, I would have to say I feel stressed about it. It's kind of stressful and I don't want it to happen again. So 
you know, that's stressful too. Cause... But you feel like it's going to happen again. I... I don't, I don't know. Okay, this has happened multiple times. Yeah. And that's why it's important for you to come out, because the longer you hold it, you might become a victim again, and again, and again, until eventually you choose to come out. But again, only you can take that first step and tell somebody who is actually capable of helping you. That's really your only option. Because if you choose not to, well, you're you're possibly setting yourself up for another repeat. And you know you don't want that. I know you don't want that. I know nobody on the show that's listening wants that. And trust me when I tell you, you might want to take a heavy consideration on telling someone. But um, do you have any questions? You haven't really asked me too much. I know that's basically all I wanted to ask you, though. Um, any questions for me or anything you'd like to add? Um, yeah. Um, how did you? How did you come out? I was six when it happened to me. Um, I talk a lot about that in the episode, but in short, I was six years old. And I was molested, and I felt that it was wrong. I didn't know what exactly. But the next day, I told my mother, because even though I promised to, um, even though I promised to keep it a secret, I told my mother because something felt really off. And then the police got involved. And, well, I told my mother and my grandmother, actually. But then the police got involved, and the whole nine yards. Hmm. Any other questions? What would you do if you were in my situation? That's a good one. If I was in your situation, personally, even if I was you or if it was me in your situation? If it was you in my situation. I wouldn't ignore it. Let's say there's an if you come out. I wouldn't ignore it. I would definitely take time to grieve. Um... And like you know, allow it to catch up, and for that, because to be honest, I feel like you're still having an issue coming into acceptance with what happened. I know you just recently realized what it truly was, but um, you could still be in that slash in denial phase. But personally, if you're afraid of repetition, and if I was you, and if I was afraid of repetition, I would most certainly, even though I'd come out generally if it happened, I would most certainly consider telling someone because I'm not going to let that happen to me again because I know what it feels like to be in that position where you're feeling defenseless and violated but personally I wouldn't let it happen again I would come out I would tell someone I'd ask for help and then I'd take my time to grieve and screw all the negative things that people say about me if that were to happen typically the general public doesn't need to know so Screw anybody's opinion or what you may think their opinion is. I would tell somebody, get the help and then take your time to grieve. Find someone you trust maybe to talk to that was willing to walk you through everything. 
and then just take your time to grieve. Like I said in the episode, I think I recommend about two weeks, you know, just but never stay down that low because then you want to start filling your mind with positive things that you enjoy. And it's all about the process. If you're really curious about the whole process that I'd recommend, listen to the episode after. I know you haven't actually heard or seen what I have on the episode so far because I haven't released it yet, obviously, because we're having this interview right now. But yeah. if you're curious on that, definitely listen to the whole episode. Anything else you'd want to add or ask me of? No. Alrighty. Well, that's all I had to say as well. That's what I had to ask you. But uh, Christian, I truly wish the best for you. And I do thank you for coming on the show today. No problem. Again, guys, his name is Christian. Uh, He runs Breaking the Silence. I believe he's talking about his experiences on that show as well. And I would recommend going to check it out. Um, thank you, Christian. And um, up next here, I'm just going to introduce this. We have the conclusion, and we're just going to wrap things up. So thank you all for listening to the interview with Christian. And um, now on to the conclusion. There are many forms of sexual abuses, and everyone hurts. It is not a joke, and it is not a game. Coping is never easy. However, it is possible, as I mentioned in this episode. I have grown to be who I am because of my experiences, and I hope that my story and advice can help you as well. So on that note, I'm going to end this episode reminding you all to stay strong, stay positive, and never stop fighting.